0: You're listening to Lucy Kellaway's podcast from the Financial Times. I have a female acquaintance who's something senior in a big media company. She's pushy and brash and I don't like her much. I bumped into her the other night and she told me how she had just been taken to one side by her boss and told that she was pushy and brash and that some people didn't like her much. It's outrageous, she said. No one would ever treat a man like that. I replied... Oh dear, how awful. Poor you. But what I was thinking went like this. It's not outrageous. You're unpleasant and abrasive, and your sex has nothing to do with it. Your outrage is ludicrous and unattractive. Even more unattractive is the outrage of a still more successful media woman, Tina Brown. In a recent interview in the Sunday Times, she complained about the roasting she'd been given when her magazine Talk failed. It became a blood sport, she whined. I became target practice. There's no doubt it's more fun to bring a woman down and a blonde than a man. Not only was she claiming it's rough to be a woman, but that it's rougher to be a pretty one, which is such nonsense one hardly knows where to begin. It isn't tough being a professional woman. This group has had a better time than any other group in society over the past two decades, and it's time to stop complaining. Or is it? Over the past three days, I've seen three pieces of research that have made me wonder if I should stop being quite such a hard-ass to my sisters. First was a study in San Francisco suggesting that two million workers in the US quit their jobs last year because of perceived unfairness on grounds of race or sex. Nothing illegal, just covert beastliness that eventually sent them to the door. Last week in the UK, figures from the Chartered Management Institute showed that female managers quit more readily than males and that their pay is still considerably lower. Finally, and most depressingly, is the cover story of this month's Harvard Business Review, which is a ten-page rant about how senior women have never had it so bad. It's exactly 20 years since the phrase glass ceiling was coined, and the authors argue that we've been pursuing the wrong metaphor all these years. Women don't just face a ceiling that we must break through to get to the very top. Right from the start, we're in a labyrinth in which there are a large number of complicated things that prevent us from reaching the centre. We face prejudice from men. Our views are not taken seriously. Our management styles don't fit. And if we try to be tough like men, we're damned, like my acquaintance was. Our pay is worse, we have problems at home, we have few networks. Some of this may be true... But by looking only at the negative, a ridiculously distorted picture emerges. In the past 20 years, companies have fallen over themselves to help women. There's legal protection. There is huge social pressure to promote women. There are women's networks galore. Most companies offer flexible working. Most places, women can swan off home for sports day with no questions asked. Yes, pay may lag behind, but that's often because women aren't good at asking for more money. I'm hopeless at this myself, but I expect we'll all get better in time. I'm certainly planning to. In this storm of doom, positive things get ignored. In last week's UK report, there was evidence that women are being promoted faster than men, which was surely a true story. Yet that got swamped in all the gloom on pay and the presumed unhappiness of women. Such gloom doesn't help us at all. It makes us look for unfairness and almost to expect it and if we expect it, we'll find it, as did my friend and Tina Brown and two million others. I'm not saying that all two million of the US workers were deluding themselves. I'm sure lots were treated unfairly, but I'm also sure lots weren't. They simply found it easier to claim subtle prejudice than to blame themselves for any lack of progress. And on the subject of unfair treatment, I would like to announce right now that I've been treated unfairly consistently throughout my career, I've been singled out and given chances denied to white men of similar ability. I was given my own column, promoted, and more recently made a non-executive director of a public company. I might or might not have had similar advantages were I a white man, but I would probably have had to push harder. And from my one-woman focus group, do I find my fellow board members don't listen? When I say something boneheaded, they may do some polite paper shuffling, but if I've got something halfway sensible to say, they seem willing to hear it. On one matter, I'm in agreement with the HBR. The very small number of women in the C-suite does take some explaining, and the glass ceiling doesn't do it. But then, neither does the glass cliff or the labyrinth. My chosen metaphor is the glass stool, and I don't mean the type that you fall between, though there may be some of that too. I think most women who have got close to the C-suite are repelled. They find they don't like the smell. If this is the truth of the matter there may be rather less to worry about. Thank you for listening. To read Lucy Kellaway's columns online, please visit www.ft.com forward slash Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the US, Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.